You are listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast Series. We pray you experience the deep life and wide love that God has for you today. Hi, I'm John Evans, and this message is from Mark 7, verses 24 to 30. It's entitled, Dogs and Demons. If you aren't familiar with this passage, I recommend pausing and reading it now. I never wanted a dog. Dogs cost a lot of money. There's breeder fees, vet fees, food and accessories. Your dog needs a city license, a certificate to be a dog, a permit to smell crotches. Dogs shed, and if they're hypoallergenic, they get all matted and you have to spend even more money taking them to the groomer. Dogs stink. There's wet dog smells, dirty dog smells, and don't even get me started about the sour and potent farts. Dogs also slobber and bark. Every one of your senses is targeted by your dog. Your nose, the unmentionable things you have to touch that are all slobbery, your eyes, the things you have to see, and your ears. Everything is disturbed by Fido. And on top of it all... We have to escort our dogs around the neighborhood while they sniff their poles and do their business. I mean, who's in charge here? Dogs are supposed to be man's best friend, but as my friend Lance points out, you're bending over there with some scented bag picking up your best friend's business. You have to think, friends don't make friends do this for them. But why do we love dogs so much? Last April, we got our dog, Clover. We're absolutely enamored by her playfulness and affection. She gets more hugs and kisses than anyone else in the family. We are pathetic dog owners. We buy her jackets, birthday cake, toys. We even set up an Instagram account so you can share in our gushiness. Follow her at clover.thefrenchbulldog. Do you like dogs? Have you ever been called a dog? Old dog. Hey, dog. Des, my barber, calls me the silver fox. I give him a tip for that. In this passage, Jesus calls a woman who wants his help a dog. We read in Mark 7, starting at verse 25. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Let's answer three questions. First, why would Jesus call a begging mother a dog? Two, what's coded in Jesus' exchange with this woman? And three, How does Jesus deal with demonic dogs? So first, why would Jesus call a begging mother a dog? Just so you know, being called a dog isn't a good thing now, and it wasn't a good thing then. Calling this woman a dog is one of the most challenging and offensive sayings of Jesus in the Bible. However, it was culturally expected and even appropriate for a Jewish person to call a woman like this a dog. Why? Well, we learn in this passage that the woman's from Tyre. She's Syrophoenician and Greek-speaking, so she's not Jewish. Tyre is modern Lebanon, a neighbor west and north of Galilee, a hotbed of salacious idolatry and paganism. The Jewish historian Josephus concluded scornfully that the citizens of Tyre were notoriously our bitterest enemies. Why was Tyre an enemy of Israel? Well, there's three things. 
it's where Queen Jezebel was from, who was in Elijah's day, a queen who initiated a religious revolution, instituting her pagan practices and killing Israel's prophets. The prophets, Ezekiel and Zechariah, denounce in their books the wealth and terror of Tyre. And finally, during the Maccabean revolt, Tyre fought in a coalition against Israel and their close neighbors, so we can already realize some hostility. This woman represents God's enemies in the legacy of Jezebel, who in anticipation of this passage was a corpse eaten by wild mutts. One of those nice Bible stories to read to your kids at bedtime, 2 Kings 9, 30-37 for you parents. In the first century, rabbis declared the people of the world are like dogs. Almost every Old Testament passage with the dog word reveals disdain that devout Israelites felt towards canines. Dogs were associated with uncleanliness because they ate garbage, dead animals, and corpses, like Jezebel. Likewise, people who are judged worthless and dispensable, those destined for the city dump, they're dogs. And in the New Testament, the insult is still in play. Jesus warns against entrusting what is sacred to dogs. He describes human wretchedness like a mutt licking the sores of a beggar. Paul refers to his opponents as dogs. And in the rabbinic tradition, dog was an insult for the most despicable, insolent, and miserable creatures. It was in this offensive sense that dog was applied to Gentiles, and Jesus uses it. It's a familiar expression. Everybody was saying it. But we're just ridding ourselves of systemically racist language now in the 21st century. Does that mean Jesus has license to use racist language just because it was 2,000 years ago? Shouldn't Jesus talk nicer about Gentile women who have daughters possessed by demons? If you don't read this passage in context, you might come to that conclusion. But if we dig deeper, we will find the hidden meaning in the parable of children and dogs. So, what is coded in Jesus' exchange with the woman? We can understand what Jesus is saying by reading into the Greek words. The word for a street dog in Greek is kuon, but Jesus doesn't say that. He calls the woman kunarion, which means a small pet. Jesus is moving the idea of an unclean stray into the house of God as a beloved pet. Jesus keeps a clear distinction between pets and children, however. Unlike the Pharisees and disciples who don't understand Jesus' parables in previous passages, this woman recognizes the coded invitation and plays along. She does a beautiful job of engaging with Jesus. Yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. You see, Jews consider themselves children of God. They differed from the other nations because of their inclusion in Abram's covenant and because they possessed the Torah, God's revelation. The pressing issue here is whether Jesus is sent to redeem the children of Israel or the Gentile dogs. Even though God's plan all along was to include the Gentiles, that was going to happen after Jesus restored Israel. This woman seems to be taking advantage of Jesus' holiday from hostility in Galilee. She's skipping to the front of the line. Jesus is pointing out even cute pets don't get to eat at the table with the children. At least, 
I hope your dog doesn't sit at your dinner table. That's gross. Jesus is announcing his messianic fulfillment to free Israel from captivity, who will then fulfill their role in being a light to the Gentiles. And the woman gets it. She knows that if God's children, Israel, are fed with the boundless bread of life, there will be basket loads left over for all the Gentile dogs. Well, there's even more movement happening here in the parable of children and dogs. Again, we have to look at the Greek words. When Jesus says, let the children be fed first, he uses the word technon for children, meaning biological children. But the woman does something remarkable in her response. Yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. While she matches the name for a pet, she changes the word for children to paideon, which is inclusive, implying all household members, children, and servants, not just blood relatives. She gets that Jesus is expanding the invitation and to come and eat at his father's house to those outside of the nation of Israel. This woman shows us in contrast to the others in the Gospel of Mark what true Israel is. Israel means one who wrestles with God, and she does it by engaging in a conversation with Jesus, not commanding him what to do, not in opposition, not like he or asking for things like he's some genie in the bottle, but by begging, listening, and responding. This woman in parable reveal the remarkable truth of the previous encounter with the Pharisees that if foods are not unclean, then neither are people. It's reasonable to determine Peter as Mark's source of the story. Remember his dream about food and people? He goes on the roof to pray at lunchtime, and like anyone, he gets hungry and falls into a trance. He saw a great cloud with all sorts of delicious things like birds, pigs, and even reptiles. All the kinds of foods are forbidden for him in Israel, but he hears Jesus. Get up, kill, and eat. Unlike the woman who says, yes, Lord, Peter says, no, certainly not. And Jesus doesn't play around with Peter's commands. He says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So Peter realizes that this opens up the door for him to go to Cornelius and have fellowship there. Cornelius and his whole household, the children and servants, were baptized. Peter finally gets it. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men and women from every nation who fear him and do what's right. So, if Jesus is not showing racist favoritism, but an invitation, how does he deal with demonic dogs? The demonized daughter is found delivered. In verse 29, Jesus says, The demon has left your daughter. And in verse 30, Mark gives us a great clue about what he wants us to understand. It reads, And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. This woman begged at the feet of Jesus, just like Jairus has done for his 12-year-old daughter. He was everything Israel a position of privilege, spirituality, and a representative of God's community. And Jesus came to his house. He healed his daughter. The Syrophoenician woman went home and found her child lying on the bed 
and the demon gone. And the word Mark uses here for child here is paiden. Remember that inclusive family term? Jesus has come to the woman's house just like Jairus. He's healed the beloved daughter and restored the hopes and fortunes of a new people. Why did the daughter receive mercy? Not because of her geography, gender, ethnicity, or religious upbringing. She didn't follow the proper religious customs or have an esteemed position in the community like Jairus' daughter. But Jesus treated her the same way. Her daughter needed help. She wasn't being punished, and she didn't deserve demonization because she prayed wrongly or she was unclean or who she was. All people are invited into Jesus' power and freedom through faith in Him. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the evil one. He arrived to restore all of His lost children and bring them into His Father's house for an abundant meal. My neighbor has two rescue dogs. Obviously, there's some past story of neglect and abuse that draws out ferocious behavior in them. They're like a demonic dog in Stephen King's novel, Cujo. And if you walk past their apartment, you hear the incessant barking and scratching at the door. You thank God that the door holds back these hounds from hell. The thing is, they aren't like that when my neighbor and her friend who comes to visit spend time with them. They're tamed in her presence, given a home, food, toys. They seem well. And this story shows us the same treatment. Us Gentiles have been captured and harmed by our pagan culture. We've been abused, neglected, rejected, and even self-harmed by the decisions that we make towards others and for ourselves. There's a reactionary impulse within us, the activated fight-or-flight system. That's like a terrorizing demon. What will still our restless torment, trying to live in the terror of postmodernity? Enter Jesus into your home, into your heart. He invites us wild dogs into his house, but not as pets, but as beloved children. This is the good news of Jesus. Maybe today you feel like an outsider and need to hear Jesus' inclusion and his invitation for you to be in his family. Maybe you've been living your life for a long time trying to tame yourself, make yourself better, signing up for programs and prayers. And maybe today you're realizing that your habits, thoughts, and desires hold you captive and tormented. God's words to Cain are fitting, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to possess you, but you must rule over it. Thank God that Jesus shows he rules over all powers. If today you want to be free to be welcome from cold and lonely places, fall at the feet of Jesus, no matter how supposedly irreligious and unclean you are. Ask Jesus not just for a crumb from the table, but that he prepare for you a feast before your enemies. For surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Today, you are choosing to be a child of God. Let's use this quote from Henry Nouwen to enter two minutes of silence and meditation as we invite the Holy Spirit to come.
God is not the patriarch who stays home, doesn't move, and expects his children to come to him, apologize for their aberrant behavior, beg for forgiveness, and promise to do better. To the contrary, he leaves the house, ignoring his dignity, by running toward them, pays no heed to apologies and promises of change, and brings them to the table richly prepared for them. Thanks for listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast. For more messages and contact us, please head to our website, byvr.life.